Good morning, everyone. Everybody with hearing aids, can you hear me? Uh, we got a minute before we officially start. Sue's going to be my eyes. So for Revelation class, if there's a question, raise your hand. She'll try to get your attention. And uh, um, for today, we're going to cover chapter one. But there's a couple of interesting things I want to find out from you. What, when you think of the word revelation, what goes through your mind? Huh? Something's revealed. Something's revealed. A vision. A vision. When you hear about the book of Revelation, what's your attitude towards that? Difficult book. Difficult book. You look a little scared, Diane, okay. Yeah, Diane's talking about that. And so, how many of you felt this way? Confusing. Well, Revelation is easier than you think. Because you've got to remember John was talking in picture language. Well, who understands picture language but who? Children. And so we're going to learn together from a childlike way uh, what Revelation is really about. We're getting there. Am I on that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, what my wife is referring to, what you see up here, you have an actual set of pictures of everything you see up there. You could take the paper clip off. The first thing you see on that paper clip, you see some arrows. Everybody see the arrows? You start from the bottom. The way Revelation is spoken of, it speaks in cycles. And then every cycle you get more information, and more information, and more information, and more information until you get to the top, where you see Jesus is coming. It talks about the thousand years, which is the New Testament era. Some denominations like Baptists, they say, oh, no, no, that's something that Jesus is going to do when he reigns here on earth a thousand years. They're going, no, no, no. What did Jesus say? My kingdom is not of this world. So why would he change his mind? And so thousand means New Testament era. So since the crucifixion to when the Lord comes, that's the period of 1,000. Not literally 1,000. And we're going to prove it a little bit later. Now, if you take the last page of your handout, it looks like this. You have a breakout of each of those things listed on the arrow is on here. Whoop, on here. Everybody see that? So you can put this away. And so now that you understand that Revelation is a, a cycle of the same story, Let's take a look at that page of each cycle. Notice heaven and angels, the 24 elders, saints in white, lightning, thunder, the eternal true God, the scroll. That's one of the main cycles. And the mystery of Christ, Jesus. That's it. Well, then the cycle renews itself. Notice the next cycle. Anything different? 
What's in the second cycle that's not in the first cycle? War, famine, destruction, earthquake. So it's giving you more information. And then it talks about the 144,000. Well, then the next cycle, look at what's different about that. Now it's got a little bit of the first two cycles, but now what does it introduce? Satan falling, yes. Now you're starting to see the anti-Christian activity of demons and demon worship, idolatry, sexual immorality. And then notice the cycle again in chapters 10 and 11. What do you notice that? It's starting to rev up towards the ending. You see where it says, no more delay? So now we're getting a hint. They're getting close to say, the Lord said, I'm done. And then we're going to talk about the two witnesses. And what are the two witnesses? So you've got the prophets of the Old Testament, the apostles of the New Testament, the evangelists, and the churches. Another view would be Jesus was one witness and the church is the other witness. And then pretty much the same thing. But then go to the next cycle, chapters 12 to 14. You're going to see the Christmas story in chapters 12 to 14 where Jesus is born and then they go to Egypt. So you're going to see the beginning and then all of a sudden you're going to see more information. Now we're going to learn more about who Babylon is. And then we're going to learn about that next week. Then chapter 15, 16. Now it's kind of getting to the final part here. Where it's reaching right before the Lord comes. In chapter 17 to 19. Then we're going to see the final hurrah, the last of the evil work, and then the rest of Revelation, chapter 20 through 22, is going to talk about uh, Jesus' work. So, questions? Did you put together these cycles? Or where did these cycles? Now, John created these cycles. In other words, yeah, somebody had yeah. what happened was is that we weren't there when John wrote this, but Jews repeat themselves. And repeating themselves is called a cycle. And so when a Jew talks about the teachings of Jesus, he speaks in cycles. And every time he speaks another cycle, he adds a little bit more information, a little bit more information. It's like Pastor Lee preaching the same sermon seven weeks in a row. How many of you get some things out of the sermon? How many of you listen to the service again when you get home? You ever get more information out of a sermon the second time? Yeah. My wife just shuts me out when I preach. But anyway, one of the things that uh, I want to emphasize is that Revelation is a book of comfort. And we're going to find out why. And then the reason why is when you take a look at what Revelation is talking about, two things. There's going to be the right and the left. The sheep and the goats. The righteous and the unrighteous. Those that believe and those that don't. 
If you notice how this is divided up here, the unbeliever, Jesus is going to say to them, I don't know you, I never knew you. But for those who believe in him, let's read that together. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter the city by the gates. We're going to have a surprise. At the very last class, we're going to see how chapter 22 of Revelation and the book of Genesis is exactly the same story. You wouldn't believe how many people said, no way. So when we study the last chapter, you're going to say how Genesis and Revelation connect. That is so cool. So, there is something very, very important with Revelation. So we're going to now open with prayer, now that you're the introduction. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you some wisdom. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And we are so excited that your children are coming forward. Over 170 people have signed up to hear about the book of Revelation and to learn and hear it from a childlike faith and understand it. Send your Holy Spirit upon us that we may truly get excited about telling people and pointing people to Jesus and why we need to know about Revelation. Because it's an exciting story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first thing I need you to know is in order to understand Revelation, this is the main question of the entire book of Revelation. Nothing else. So when Jesus Christ suffered, died on the cross, and three days later rose again to life, what three things did he conquer? Thank you. Confirmation's all over again. Sin, death, and the power of Satan. So that when he conquered, that means Satan has been crushed. Conquer, you ever seen? Oh, what did Jesus say in the garden uh, to Adam and Eve? I will crush his head, and Satan will bruise Jesus' heel. So there's this picture of Jesus crushing Satan. So you're going to hear the term three and a half a lot in Revelation. That's short of four, isn't it? And you're going to hear six, which is short of seven, which is the holy number. That means the entire book of Revelation says Satan has already lost. He's going to get pretty close, but he's never going to be able to finish. So it's an exciting story about these numbers. We're going to learn a little bit more about that later. So, yes, sin, death, and Satan is the answer. But besides this, before we get into chapter 1, I really, really, really need to share with you, uh, look at the last page of your handout. Uh, it's called The Book of Comfort, God is in Control. You see that? The Book of Comfort, God is in Control. Everybody see it? This is kind of the comfort thing for all of us because somebody says, why does God allow these th things to happen? How many of you said that? Why did God allow that to happen? Well, guess what? He's in control. But he does a lot of things. 
Oh, it's after. Oh, it's the second page. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, some of you have it as a second page. This is so cool because what I did is I put in bold the whole thing about Jesus Christ. Notice what it says there. The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him. And what does Jesus say? I will give the right. I will give you the crown of life. I will give you the hidden manna and the white stone. By the way, anybody understand the white stone? Nope, that's all. Did you know that during the time of Jesus and the apostles, that when you go into a courtroom, a judge had two kinds of stones, a black one and a white one. The white stone, you're innocent. The black stone, you're guilty. So when you see this in Revelation, you've got to think like a Jew. You've got, to, you've got to remember this was written 2,000 years ago. So put yourself in that same courtroom of Jesus. There's the white stone and the black stone. So there's a little note for you. And then writer was given power to take peace from the earth. So God's in control, but he only lets the evil angels only do so much. So who's really in control, Satan or Jesus? Death and Hades were given power. What? What do you mean? They were given power. Yeah. But who has the keys to heaven? Who has the keys to hell? Jesus does. And then notice the four angels have been given power to harm the land and the sea. They were going to talk about the star. There are two kinds of stars. And next week, we're going to focus on the two sides of Revelation, the good and the bad, Jesus and Satan. You're going to see parallels of, oh, you will be impressed next week. It is going to be so revealing to say, now I get the two sides of Revelation. And then the star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. Which star is that? And then locusts were given power like the scorpions. But they're not given power to kill. What does that sound like? Job. When Satan says, well, the reason why Job has it so nice, he gave him everything. So what does Jesus say? You can do anything you want, but you can't kill him. So they took all his property away. And then Satan came up a second time. Oh yeah, well that's because he always has his family and friends. So what happens is a storm and kills all his family. Then the third time, Satan comes up to Job and says, well, that's because he has all this good health. He says, you can do anything you want, but you can't kill him. So Satan puts all these boils on Job, and you know the story. So the same thing here, there's a limit to what God's allowing these demons and Satan to do before the coming of Christ. And uh, notice, when you hear about the, the cup of wrath, Wrath is referred to by several ways. It's also referred to as fire. Fire is also the wrath of God, but it's also purification. And then, for the Lord will give them light. So the opposite is Lord Satan. The dragon gave the beast his power. So Satan does the same thing Jesus does. He can give power to the beasts and the demons and, and with great throne of authority. 
Then they're going to hear about the dragon. Who's that? Then they're going to talk about the beasts. We're going to hear about what those two beasts are. And then, because of the sign was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. So these beasts that are out there today are to be deceptive. I'll give you a clue. The beast of the sea is the government. When you look at the map of Europe, Africa, Mediterranean, everything, that was the Roman government. And the beast of the land are the false teachers, the Pharisees, the false prophets. That's the beast of the land. And you're going to see the parallel for today. Who are, is the government still corrupt today? Is our government corrupt? They took prayer out of school. They legalized abortion. You can't talk about Jesus in school. What other laws did he pass? Same-sex marriage. We have a corrupt government. So, are we repeating history again? Notice what that means. Here's your cycle. So, I'm ready to go. If, if you ever want to read, did, how many of you read the first chapter of Genesis before you came? Y'all get an A. How many of you forgot? You're forgiven. <laughs> so, we're going to talk about it together. One of the most exciting things is the book of, uh, of Revelation, the very first chapter. You have this in your sheet. And what I did is I in that sheet with all the pictures on it and lines, you can make notes on here. And so as we look at chapter one, it's the easiest chapter of Revelation. And let's take a look at this together. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, you read the dark print. In other words, what's about to happen. And it's going to happen. There's no ifs, ands, or maybes. It's going to happen. And he made it known by sending his angel, his servant, John, to testify to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the judgment of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who Yes, blessed. In other words, you're blessed. You're already blessed. This is why it's called the Book of Comfort. But did you catch what, what, did, what did they call John? A servant and angel. angel. Pastors are called angels. <laughs> oh, he sent an angel to job, but the pastors are angels. We're going to come up to that very shortly. Yes, angel means what? Messenger. So our saviors. Evangelical Lutheran Church is the official name of our Savior. Evangelical, what's the word in the word evangelical? Angel. We are evangelists, messengers of the gospel. And that's what that's talking about. And we're blessed. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and... So in other words, that's what Bible study and preaching is all about. This is why we gather together regularly 
and you are blessed. What is written in it because the time is here. Yeah, time is short. This is why it's important to understand Revelation in the last days. So, we have a question. We said John, but it doesn't say which one. Because if you read the Gospel of John, he always refers himself as the one who Jesus loved. But suddenly, Revelation, he's calling himself John. Is, this a, is there another John? Well, there's John the Baptist. But was he there to witness Jesus' ministry, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension? No. So it can't be that one. How about John Mark? That's the companion. Yeah, he wrote Mark, but he was, there's no evidence that he was there during Jesus' ministry and to be a witness like the other John. Well, then John, whom Jesus loved, and then another John, because there was a lot of Johns. Did you know there's a John in every store? restaurant, not, not that kind of John. <laughs> but notice John, and he describes himself, who testifies to everything he saw. So he was there during the entire ministry of Jesus. That is, and now he explains what he saw. The word of God, everything that Jesus taught, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So his, all of his sermons, all of his miracles, he was there. So therefore, what's the answer? Who is John? Is yeah. But notice, I, John, your brother and companion. Now, notice, suffering and patient endurance. This is a clue that the great tribulation has already taken place. And it still is. It's not something that's going to happen. We are suffering now. We are having tribulation now. We have missionaries that are being put to death. There's persecution in the Christian churches all over the world. It's happening now. So the great tribulation is now. And it just keeps getting worse. Was... So that's the final clue. This is John who Jesus loved because he's the only disciple apostle that did not suffer martyrdom. He was sent to the island of Patmos. Yes, sir? When you say the tribulation is now, but was it since, since, the, since the ascension of Jesus Christ? Yep. Or since the death? Or? Over and over and over. In fact, all the Caesars that followed were worse. And they almost obliterated the Christian church. But what did all this persecution and tribulation do? It spread the Christian faith even more. And it caught on fire the Holy Spirit. So, good point. So, why is Revelation called the Book of Comfort? Already at the beginning, just in verse 4, John, to the seven churches in the providence of Asia. Isn't that comforting? 
So how many of you ever read Revelation the way we're doing it right now? Isn't this great? It's starting to make sense. Say, how did I miss that? Well, that's because you have to think like a kid. You've got to think like a Jew. I am part French and part Greek. You've got to think like a freak. Okay? So now, one of the things that I've learned is, here's about the Trinity. This is brilliant of how the Holy Spirit inspired John to write this. Did you catch this? From That's referred to as the Father throughout the Old Testament, and he repeats it again here. So it's the Father, and from? How many candles on the candelabra normally in our churches? Seven. And that's symbolic of the six days of creation and the last day that Jesus rested, and seven is the Holy Spirit. And so, and there's the Trinity. Who is faithful witness? The firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So notice, a little bit later, we're going to hear that phrase, who is and who was and who is to come, is also a reference to Jesus himself. And you're going to catch that saying, what does that mean? That the Father and the Son is one and the same. So, whoa, ah, here's why our mission here at Our Saviors has not changed. Why? We are to point people to Jesus. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has his kingdom been established yet? Yes! So the teachings of the Reformed Church is wrong that Jesus is going to establish his kingdom. No! We, we are his kingdom. It's already established. So we're going to see a lot of lights going on saying, oh, wow, I didn't catch that. And the priest to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen! The Reformed Church teaches and the Jehovah's Witnesses, that Jesus is going to come invisibly and rapture everybody up then, and then the people left behind get another chance for another thousand years, and then comes the seven-year tribulation, and then Satan's going to be let loose, and then comes judgment day. That's not what that says. That is not what that says. He is coming in the clouds, visibly. What a the angels tell the disciples as he was ascending into heaven. You will see him as you see him go. So somebody asked me a question from my, when I taught the kids this lesson. Uh, they said, Pastor, how's everybody going to see Jesus when he comes if, if the world is round? I says, rapture, hello. It says we're going to meet the Lord in the air. We're all going to come off the earth and we're going to see him. Oh, and then there's not going to be an earth anymore. The Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, so that's how we're going to see it. He's already figured that out. Oh, I got it. So we're going to do a deeper study of how the Lord's going to come a little bit later. But notice, and 
What do you mean those who pierced him? Yeah. Everybody from Adam to the last person before Jesus comes is going to see Jesus. Everybody, believers and unbelievers, are going to see him. And who's mourning? The unbelievers or the believers? Thank you. You picked up on that. It's not us. We're going to be going, woohoo. Here we go. I'm curious. How many of you want to be here when the Lord comes? Or I want to be the people that come with Jesus. Hey, we're here. I want to be that bunch. I like to surprise people. And notice, so shall it be. Amen. Says the Lord our God, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. All right, we hear that phrase again. You're going to hear over that cycle again and again. Now, to whom Revelation was written? To. Here's the part that's very enjoyable. Now we're going to get, did you know that, uh, that the, uh, on the Lord's day I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice from a trumpet which said, write on the scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. I did not know that Pennsylvania was part of the visitation of Jesus. That's not what that talked about. This is not fits. One of our kids says, is that Philadelphia? He showed up here in the United States? No, no, no. This is an actual place. To Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Well, it's kind of interesting. If you want to see what that looks like, this is where they were located in Asia. And so one of the things uh, that we learn is Notice where the island of Patmos is in comparison to where the seven churches are. Okay, let's go back. Description of Jesus. I turned to see the voice. I didn't know you could see a voice. In other words, he's making reference because that the word voice is a masculine word. It's a it's, you could see a person talking, right? So he's not talking about the voice, he's talking about the person who's talking. That was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw. Oh, Pastor, here we go. They're talking confusing things. What does this mean? Be patient. Now, did Jesus ever explain the parable sometimes to people right out? He's going to do the same thing here. He's going to explain who those are. Dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with his golden sash around his chest, the hair on his head was as white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like the blazing. Fire is a reference to the Holy Spirit in this case. Because his eyes are always functioning and that's something that the Father and the Holy Spirit, they work together. His feet were like bronze glowing in the <laughs> furnace and his voice was like the sound of the rushing waters in his right hand. Notice, right hand. That's a good thing. Left hand is not a good thing. How many of you are left handed? Change now. <laughs> no, Jesus makes reference that he's, he, the right hand means the righteousness of God. 
So keep that in mind as you start going through Revelation. And notice, he held... Uh-oh. Now he's talking strange again. What does that mean? And coming... When you hear about two-edged sword, what does that remind you of? That's the power of God's word, law and gospel. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So once again, we're starting to see a description of the Trinity. And its face was like the sun in all its brilliance. Now, note what Jesus said. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. Then he placed his, there it is, right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. And so Jesus refers to himself like the Father. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, you know. Same description. So that's why the Trinity is one and the same. And not three gods, but one God. Sir. Before we get any further, um, the, you said the fire was the Holy Spirit. In the, that case. Uh, was there any significance to the feet? Bronze, nothing. Oh, uh, bronze is a, uh, it's called the gen, gen uh, when you hear of feet, blessed are the feet of those who, so we have the richness of God's ministry. He walked all over the place for three years, and he brought us the richness and power of God's work. I did a sermon on feet, and our senior pastor uh, on uh, Monday, Thursday, before anybody come to church, he washed everybody's feet before he let anybody in. Would you let your pastor wash your feet? Sure. But uh, he did. Anything else? Isn't bronze kind of one of the most solid? Solid. Metals? Yes. Like yes. Firm foundation. firm foundation. So when you think about this, we were taught in elementary school what this has meant. So the language is pretty simple when you think about it. You gotta think like a kid. Oh yeah, I remember that. And he also, who's in control of Satan and the demons and hell itself? Who's holding on to the keys? He is, so why are we worried? So I love this. Now, this is my favorite part. Jesus explains the meaning of the seven lampstands and stars. Right therefore, Okay, everything that John experienced in the ministry of Jesus, he witnessed the miracles, the sermons, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, he was there. And then what he experienced during the time of the apostles, now all the books of the apostle Paul are written, and here he is writing the last book. And he's also supposed to write down what's going to take place. So, he goes all the way from the cross to when Jesus comes. There's that message. Cross to Jesus. That's Revelation. Cross to Jesus. And the mystery of the that you saw in there's the right hand and the is this. The are the angels. You're looking at one. 
see deer? I have an angel. I have a, she would say that I have a bent halo. But, uh, but angel is the messenger, the pastor of that congregation. And the seven are the seven. So those are literally this. The seven pastors, the seven churches. Simple. All right. Any questions up to this point? Sir. It's the 
repeating itself. But note, each sevenfold vision starts from the cross until Judgment Day, the end. So how is the best way to understand the three visions? Well, I want you to go to something. And as I put this together, this, I did this five years ago, and somebody gave me this picture in the most brilliant way of explaining the visions. All three visions say the same story, but which camera is it using? It's three cameras seeing the same thing. Let me explain that to you. On the far right side, you see the guy about to catch the ball, right? But uh, referee's there, but only a handful of people are there, right? But then when you get another angle of what's going on, go to the upper left corner, you don't see the enemy near him, do you? But in the first picture, the enemy's right there. But then you go to the middle picture on the upper part, now you see the enemy's on the ground, but you can't see if he made a touchdown or not. Are we sure? Then you go to the center left, now you get a different angle, his feet are way off. They're not even on the ground yet. But you don't see anybody watching. And then on the right, now you're starting to see more people watching. And now you're getting a closer walk that his feet is about to touch. And it looks a lot closer. And on the lower left side, it talks about what did he actually cross the line. And so it says the same story, but different views. The three, uh, the seven seals, and the seven bowls, or bowels, and the seven trumpets, it's the same play, but each vision gets stronger, and it's worse. It gives you more information on the same play. So that a good way to explain that? So, it's, I wish I would have had the uh, Huskers up there. You would have watched more. Anyway, <laughs> one of the things that I've learned over the years, and I went into the Greek... Yes, ma'am! Okay. I don't know if I'm missing something, but when we die, we go to heaven or hell. Yes. And how do we come out of the graves when Jesus... Oh, boy, she shot up to chapter 22 already. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, when we get into this discussion... Uh, we'll get there, but for now, everybody that's at the cemetery, what's in the cemetery? The bodies. And where are the souls at? Either. And that happens when? At the moment of judgment day is everybody going to die at once. Huh? The souls in hell are the unbelievers. Oh, okay, gotcha. So we have believers and unbelievers buried right now, right? And so at the moment of death, they're either in heaven or hell. Oh, okay. But then later on in Revelation, we're going to see that the believers are having a conversation with Jesus, and they're alive right now. Because they say, Lord, when will our blood be avenged? They're having a conversation. And they're worshiping God. And John in Revelation says, And I saw those who have gone before us 
at the foot of the altar. So our loved ones are now in heaven, reigning with Jesus a thousand years. Now, what? Well, the reform says, I know what the reform says, but I'm going to show you what the scripture says as we get there. So does that answer your question? So when you die, body goes to the ground, and on your last breath, what did Jesus tell the thief on the cross? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. So in your last breath, where do you take your next breath? Isn't that cool? I understand that, but when Jesus comes back, he said everybody from, is that just the bodies that we Yes, in other words, what's going to happen is our bodies and souls are going to be united. And we will be imperishable, perfect. We no longer have glasses and hearing aids. All of our limbs will come back if you lost any. And people have asked, well, at what age are we going to be in heaven? Well, it's interesting. What, what, how does Jesus describe in Revelation? See, Jesus died when he was 33. So around 33 AD. And here's John writing 95 AD. Does that mean we're going to age? Because how did it describe Jesus? White hair. When you go to heaven, Roger, you're going to have more hair. <laughs> and so, but we're going to get into that exact topic at the end of this revelation because we're going to talk about what does the Bible say and we're going to run into some of these things all along because that's what people want to know. But what about now? And that's why, if you're wondering, I'm going to be teaching about death, dying, and the resurrection again this fall. It'll be like I did before uh, at Stanachek's or here. And uh, uh, we're going to be talking about this type of teaching. And so how does it make you feel? Then why do we mourn the loss of loved ones if we know they're with the Lord? Huh? Oh, we missed them. That, that's okay, right? And what did Jesus do when he heard about Lazarus? He wept. I feel bad for Lazarus. He had to go through it twice. I always wondered what he thought. When he came out, are you kidding me? Stick me back in there. But notice, John doesn't, or uh, Lazarus doesn't talk about his experience in heaven, does he? It's completely vague. Because the Apostle Paul says that there was a man who had an out-of-body experience, but he could not describe what heaven was like. But yet, you hear about this little boy that was dead for 45 minutes and wrote a book. And here's what he saw. That's not true. The angel he saw is true. The light is true. Jesus is true. Seeing family members is true. How many of you have stood by the uh, bedside of dying people? He says, I see... Uncle Bill there. Is that biblically accurate? Sure. Because they see it. In fact, this one story I will share with you, it kind of ripped my heart out. We had a boy who had leukemia. He was about four years old. And his mother was holding on to him as he was gasping his last breath. And when I saw him in the hospital, he was sleeping. And so I felt I needed to go back to the hospital the next morning early. So I got there at six o'clock in the morning and the boy had died five minutes before. And here was the mother still holding on to her son. She says, Pastor, I need to share with you what just happened a few minutes ago. And I said, well, yeah, he died. No, it's what he said right before he died. And they were talking about angels. 
And when that boy woke up, his eyes went like this, and he looked at the corner of his room. He said, Mom, do you see him? Do you hear him? It's the angels. Die. Is that possible? Of course. Because he was right there. Now, do our loved ones come back to talk to us? No. And we'll be talking about that towards the end of Revelation. So we're going to start getting into these questions. Good question. And I'm also excited. Questions up to this point. All right. Let's talk about the tribulation. How many people have, in this room, have suffered from financial tribulation? How many of you have suffered from spiritual tribulation? Had some doubts and fears and anger? Okay. How many of you have been uh, uh, annoyed by wicked people? Uh, family members, even. Uh, you know, tribulation. And how many of you have lost friends over your faith? So we're all experienced tribulations of all kinds. What is the greatest tribulation? When a person dies not knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. That's, that's the worst. And there's no chance for them once they've died. And so it's, uh, it's an interesting thing about preparing. And what's the ultimate tribulation? You face death. And everybody dies. So that's why every day you hear Pastor Lee and Pastor Eric talk about, you know, let's confess our sins. Repent and believe. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Now comes my fun part. In the next few weeks, we are going to put a hold on where we're going to go. We're going to take a pause after, now that we're done with chapter one. Next week, we're going to review the definitions of what Revelation talks about. The horses. 666. Three and a half. Seven. Twelve. 144. You're going to, what other things do you remember? Beast of the land, beast of the sea, Jezebel, the four horses of the apocalypse. You know, we're going to, what I did for you, and uh, uh, this was, this, I, I, I received the phone call from an 87-year-old lady last week. And when Colleen gave me the message, you got to call her. She says, I live in West Point. And I'm 87 years old. And I can't drive anymore. I want, I heard about your commercial about Revelation. Is there any way we're going to put this online? And here's what I just found out as of last week. We're going to attempt to record Wednesday's Revelation class. So that, because a lot of the college kids wanted to come, but they said, it's going to be online. Well, we're going to find out. So if we, Wednesday's when we'll have the staff to do it. So you will see the same thing happening today, and hopefully it'll work. 
We have talked about it for years, well, the last three years, and more and more people are saying we have uh, uh, Zoom classes, but uh, they don't have the handouts. So what I've done is I've put all of our handouts on the screen, uh, on the part that we discussed before, and then this lady, Sue and I, this week are going to hand deliver to her all 22 or all 18 lessons of Revelation ahead of time. And then she can read through that and I'll show her a couple things. But what we're going to do next week is very important. You're going to have a little guide about when you read Revelation, oh, that's what that means. You're going to be able to see the Hebrew, Greek, English understanding of what every number and picture is. That'll be a big help, right? <laughs> and so, then we're going to talk about the two sides. Right, left, sheep, goat, church, evil one. And that's what we're going to be a focus next week. And then in two weeks, we're going to look at all the Old Testament accounts about the last days and look at the book of Daniel. Because Daniel sounds very familiar to Revelation when it talks about the beasts. But it's not the same, but it's got the same definition. And then... We're going to look at what Jesus said about the last days. Tons and tons of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it's very crystal clear what the last days are going to be out. So if they never wrote Revelation, we would have been happy with just hearing how Jesus, because Jesus explains it very simply. Then we're going to study what he said. Then we'll take a look at what the apostles said about the last days. Because here's where Peter says, and we will meet the Lord in the air. The Reformed Church says that's going to happen a thousand years before. No. Because there's one thing they don't tell you about in Thessalonians. In Paul's letter to the not Peter, but the Apostle Paul that says we'll meet the Lord in the air, it says in the last trumpet. The last seal, the last bowl, and the last trumpet is judgment day. So the rapture is not separate, as some of them teach. It's the same day. Oh! Because I just talked to a Baptist friend of mine. He was trying to, well, you realize it's going to be the rapture first, and there'll be this thousand years, and no, 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 no. Read it again. So I made him read it, and he read in the last trumpet call. He says, last trumpet. There you are. And then he says, you're right, huh? And what did he say? He just never saw that, the, that word, last trumpet, right next to that. It's like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Only 144,000 are going to heaven. And the last two ladies that came to my house, I said, I'm sorry, you're not going to be one of them. How do you know? Because it says men only. But what's the 144,000? And I said, but they don't read the next verse. And then I saw a multitude that no one count as the number of seeds in the sand, you know? People don't read the whole thing. All right. How many of you feel comfortable with this? How many of you are going to come back? A lot of people told me they weren't going to be here. We have 54 people signed up for this class. 
uh, 65 for Wednesday, and that doesn't count the, the, the parents of the confirmands either. <laughs> so we're gonna have a, that'll be the largest group. And then Thursday was a surprise. We're actually in the 40s now. And so we got a lot of people, and 20% uh, of the people that have signed up are not members of our saviors, they're coming from other churches. We had it in the newspaper. How many of you saw it in the newspaper? Look pretty young in that picture, don't I? <laughs> okay, questions. We've got five minutes left of questions. Anything triggered? Anything that we read or saw that says, hey, I have a question? So all of you are on the same page. That's neat for a bunch of Lutherans. Yes, sir? I got to see the Patmos, the cave of Patmos in June. Oh! So we saw where John was pulled up to court period. Wow. Unfortunately, they built it. It was more like Indian Cave Park in Nebraska City than it was a cave. <laughs> but they built a chapel now in front of it, so you actually can oh. see from the outside. You have to Did it have a living room and a kitchen and a. Restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, if you've ever been to the Holy Lands and, and Asia Minor, it's a wonderful trip. And uh, also, we have how many people signed up that they're going? 42. We maxed out on the bus. So it's full, so you get your $100 off. And so it won't cost as much. So that's an exciting and uh, a trip to go on. And uh, next week, we're going to be ready to get into uh, the two sides and we're going to have a good discussion about what each of these symbols and numbers mean before we even get into Revelation. And then uh, you'll see some patterns in both the Old and New Testament about the same things. And how many of you picked up on it? Pretty good? Okay. Over here. Yeah. Uh, is Bethlehem located in Asia? Bethlehem is located in Israel. I think it's located in the continent. So it's southeast of Asia. Uh, just off of Egypt, Africa. Then here is the Holy Land next to that. So, what country? Uh, I don't know what it's called. I think it is Asia Minor. It's Asia Minor. It's part of that. Okay, because my daughter said Jesus was born in Asia. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That would be, be all right. So, other questions? Sir? In verse 10, it says, I was in the Spirit. What does that mean? It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day when, when he heard the In other words, this is, this is reference to prophecy. Where did the apostles and evangelists and the prophets get their information from the Holy Spirit. I was in the Spirit. And then it said the Lord's Day. What does that mean? When John had this experience of right revelation. Sunday. Sunday. Exactly. The Lord's Day. You're, boy, you know this stuff. Oh, I got a question. Now. Yes. Okay, so the Lord's Day is called the Sabbath? Sabbath. Christian Sabbath, not Jewish Sabbath. Jewish Sabbath is midnight on Friday to midnight Saturday. After the resurrection of Jesus and ascension, 
the apostles had their Sabbath day on Sunday because it's in line with the resurrection of Jesus. And that's why to this day we celebrate the Sabbath on a Sunday. Good question. Others? Sure. During the comment, it, when it talked about the bronze feet, I, to me that was talking about service. Service, exactly. Okay. Feet are servant, witness, and strength. And, uh, and well, that's what we're going to talk about when we get into the these symbols. We're going to start seeing a lot. For example, if if you say they had feet of clay, and we see read about that in the Old Testament, if that person had a feet of clay, what does that mean? It's going to crumble. And so we have information about that. So this is why I'm teaching you to be good, good Jewish children. Symbolisms and stuff. Pretty awesome. Others? Alright. On your way out, there's a basket, and that's been our practice on the Sunday morning Bible class. If anybody wanted to give an extra little gift, it's not to pay me. What the group decided is that they wanted to give something special to Mission Central. And already we've gotten a well over $2,000 over this whole period of time, so people could still go, and then every great while when it gets to $1,000, we write a check to uh, Mission Central. Huh? Will you tell them what they do at Mission Central? I don't know if everybody How many of you do not understand Mission Central? Yes, Mission Central is the home base of the Luther Church, Missouri Synod, where they collect 100% of the money they receive goes to missions. It doesn't go to administration, it goes to the missionary, and this is where the main function, and missionary Gary, who has a high school degree, is the only one who worked with every single missionary, where the Lutheran Church of Missouri and him work together, and they support the travels, the equipment, the Bibles, anything that a missionary needs, and 100% of your gift goes to that. It doesn't go to the, and it's a very, and if you haven't gone, go, it's, what city is that in? What? Mableton, Iowa. Mableton, Iowa. And then he's going to say that you are not normal. Not normal. He's going to show you his boss. Yes. He'll show you his boss. Yes, ma'am. on names for God and to watch for? Is that in yours? It is? Okay. Here's what I did for you. When you read Revelation from here on in, look for the names of God. You can see how it's referred to in every chapter. And then when you turn to the second page, names for Christians to watch for, notice how Christians are described. Suffering. Kingdom, lampstands, stars, angels, churches. Isn't that interesting? And then when you turn the page again, what else can you watch for? 
names for Satan and the anti-Christian. Now you're seeing the other side. So I put down everything from every chapter, names that talks about the other side. It is so cool. And then on the next page, numbers to watch for. Notice seven, one, ten, days, weeks, hours, thousands, a third, a fifth, 20, 200 million. Uh, let's see, six, six, six. 42 months is the same as three and a half years. And so then on page seven, uh, about the word of God in heaven. And in the last page, I was helping you, what are the warnings of the last days? So if you were to do a blanket view of the last day, Judgment Day is described on this last page. Pretty short. These are phrases that are referred to over and over and over again throughout Revelation. So what I did is I condensed them and uh, it is so informative. Ignore that sunlight. Yes? Do you have an estimate of how many when you're all done, you'll have over 120 pages of Bible study lessons. If you miss a class, we will have those in the back. So if you miss one. If you miss Sunday, you can come Wednesday or Thursday. But outside of that, that's where it's at. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and thank you for getting us started and everyone here is on the same page and we're starting to get excited and we pray that your Holy Spirit helps giving us wisdom and knowledge and the importance of pointing people to Jesus. May your Holy Spirit grant us this excitement all throughout the week where we, until we gather again to continue in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people say. Amen. Amen. See you next week.